Welcome folks to podcast today. My name is Gary Kidney and this is my podcast journey through the world of, well, everything really, where I produce podcasts every single day. This is the second last installment in my run through of every single X-Men film, The Wolverine, the 2013 film starring Hugh Jackman and a bunch of Japanese people whose names I'm not going to disrespect by trying to pronounce. <laughs> this was directed by James Mangold, who I can officially say I've never seen a film directed by James Mangold, unlike Brian Singer where I lied. Brian Singer was approached, turned it down, he did direct Days of Future Past immediately afterward. They also approached Darren Aronofsky who was signed on to do this film, but then he realised it would take, give or take, a year of his life and he would have to spend a lot of it abroad because the film shot in Australia and Japan. So he backed out and James Mangold was, was given the mantle of directing the second solo Wolverine film. This is, it's weird because this film is a sequel to X-Men Last Stand. And that film was a very long time ago when this film came out. There was... As I do math, as I take 2006 from 2013 and get seven, go me. There were seven years between the films and we'd seen Wolverine in between. He was in Origins and had a brief role in First Class, but both those were prequels. Both those were set before the events of The Last Stand. So it was weird after having two films set before the original X-Men trilogy to just drop Wolverine right back in, reacting to the events of a film seven years prior. Wolverine is in the Canadian mountains again. He loves moping about in Canada when stuff goes wrong for him. And he is dragged to Japan based on events that happened in the past where he saved a now very successful businessman from dying and now the very successful businessman is actually dying via old age and wants to say goodbye to Wolverine. That's the framing device of the film. So Wolverine goes from the dark and bleak and muted colour palettes of, of wilderness Canada in the Yukon to a bright, vibrant, almost hypnotic and dreamlike Tokyo. It's really interestingly shot where they take that contrast where the first... 10-15 minutes of the film set in Canada is almost feral and bleak and then once they get to Tokyo there's this just world of colour that comes into this film. It's a really nice little contrast. Wolverine has long hair in the start of this film which made me begin to think does his hair grow faster because of his mutant regenerative powers? Like if his genes regenerate faster you'd assume his hair would also grow faster. Maybe that's why he can grow a sweet beard. Well he doesn't really have beard, more mutton chops. It's where his sweet mutton chops come from. He's too lazy to shave them every day because they grow so fast. Basically, the film is about Wolverine getting over his grief, which is a nice, simple little premise for a film because at the end of The Last Stand, he flat out killed Jean Grey because she was going to destroy the world and she was super dark phoenixy and angry. And he's like, I have to kill you. Then he stabbed her in the chest with his, his claws. Oh, no, that reminded me. Bone claws. Bone claws are back. There is a number of instances of bone claws in this film, and I do not like it. I do not like seeing bone claws. They're disgusting. <laughs> Give me adamantium claws all day. But yeah, Green Green Jay, that's not a name. Jean Grey is haunting his dreams. She's following him around. Wolverine is seeing visions of her, and when he falls asleep, he is also seeing visions of her. She's almost taunting him as well. It's like, damn it, Wolverine, you killed me. Wolverine's like, but I loved you. It's like, but you killed me. And then Wolverine is brooding and goes to Japan and sees other love interests. Here's the interesting idea of Wolverine because Wolverine has existed for, I think, 200 years, give or take. And he has outlived everyone he has ever known. Anyone he ever loves, even if Jean Grey didn't have to be murdered in cold blood, <laughs> she would have died eventually and Wolverine would have been alone and he was the love of his life and he would have to live on. So the idea is that Wolverine might not want to live much longer and that's kind of the premise of, of why he goes to Japan and what the fellow in Japan wants him. He wants Wolverine's regenerative power. He wants Wolverine's regenerative regenerative powers. 
I'll get it. <laughs> he wants Wolverine's regenerator to pop. God damn it. I'm going to leave all of this in. Wolverine can regenerate. You know what I mean. <laughs> I usually edit stuff like that out or I cannot say words for some reason. But that one, that one's staying in just so you can see how stupid I am. He wants to be able to regenerate like Wolverine because he's dying and he wants to become young again and wants to live forever. And Wolverine's like, I kind of want to die because I'm kind of sick of killing people and sick of everyone I know dying and disappearing. But I also don't want to die, so no. And then he gets dragged into a world of samurais and fighting. I really like this film. I actually didn't like this film quite as much when I saw it at the time. I was like, it's a solid solo Wolverine outing. It's it's pretty it's pretty solid. It's it's good enough. But it's one of the few superhero films I actively describe as beautiful at times. It's one of the best shot, and it helps. The film is set in Japan, and also a, a large portion of it is shot in Japan, which creates a, a really interesting visual style. It's totally different from any superhero film around, and it's actually beautiful to look at at times. And even from a plot standpoint and from a story standpoint point it's it's fairly beautiful it's a nice little film it's the kind of film i was talking about how i don't want disney to own all of the marvel characters because i want different people making different films this is the kind of film that disney would never have made it's too weird for disney to have made it's too quiet there's not enough jokes there's not enough just things blowing up this disney have a formula i talked about that a few a few days ago but th this is the kind of quiet solo wolverine outing because the, the only other person in this is famke jansen playing dreamlike Jean Grey. She's the only other X-Men in it, and she's dead. So she's not technically in it. But there's no Professor X or Magneto until the, the closing credit scene, which is awesome. I'll talk about that in a sec. But there's no Cyclops or Storm. None of these people are actually in the film. It's just Wolverine on a little trip to Japan in beautiful settings with tons of color. It's really fun to look at. Slashing some samurais and fighting with ninjas. <laughs> I, I'm into that. That's the kind of thing I would take out of a solo Wolverine film. I like the idea that these Wolverine stories, these solo Wolverine stories, are just plucked out of Wolverine's life. It's not, you know, ooh, his origin, where do you get his claws? Because yeah, that's not really particularly interesting. Taking him and putting him in a totally different setting with long hair and then he gets a haircut. <laughs> and his hair doesn't grow that quickly when he gets the haircut, though. Though I'm not sure how, how, how many days pass between that and the end of the film. It's only probably a handful, so this is, this is what I ponder. This is, it's like Wolverine. How fast does this hair grow? The film is based on the, the comic series by Chris Claremont and Frank Miller, which I might actually read. I probably won't. I always say that when I watch these things. It's like, oh, Wolverine in Japan. I might actually read that comic, but I won't because this film has some super cool art, especially like DVD box colors and posters. There's some really cool art. Wolverine in that Japanese setting kind of works. The, the contrast that he is a ronin he's a samurai without a master because he's just wandering the wilderness he, that's what he was prior to the x-men but like after the professor x and gene gray and cyclops he has nothing to live for anymore but he lives forever so what happens when someone who lives forever has nothing to live for and that's a really interesting little question to ask about uh, with the wolverine character and ask about a superhero character in general it's far too bleak <laughs> you wouldn't get away with that in marvel <laughs> There's like the film isn't devoid of action. There's some really cool action scenes because you have ninjas and samurais. Of course, there's really cool action scenes. There's particularly one on a bullet train where Wolverine is fighting atop a bullet train with two other people, and it's awesome. While the train is passing, there's like boards and, and lights and stuff hanging overhead that they're trying to dodge and avoid, and they keep on using the other person's point of view to, to judge what's coming so whoever can see what's coming jumps and the other person jumps and Wolverine fakes the guy out by feigning to jump the guy jumps and he gets crushed by a sign and that is so badass also immediately after Wolverine because 
I assume this is physically possible. This makes sense, like, physics-wise. Or the train is flying along, so Wolverine jumps off the train, and that propels him through the air a good 20 feet, and he stabby-stabbies somebody, like, 20 feet away further down the train. And it is amazing. It's the kind of thing I want out of action films. Interesting settings and people flying through the air and stabbing each other in the chest. Yeah, this is a really good film. Some of the, the final act is... it's not great. The old man that wants to live forever, you think he dies and he comes back to life and it's just like, nah, that's gonna... But then he has a fight with a silver samurai suit, so that's pretty cool too. It's just a pretty cool film. I really like this a lot more than I thought I did, which is nice. That's why you rewatch things. Get a different perspective. Tons of colour, an interesting place Wolverine is at as a character where he's trying to overcome loss and grief and a sense of meaninglessness in the world. Meaninglessness is a fun word, apparently. Um, and then he's plucked and dumped into a Japanese setting where he has to fight, like, ninjas. He's put up against the, a culture of honour and respect and tradition, a culture which which Wolverine kind of naturally rubs against in a, quite a, an abrasive way. Because Wolverine doesn't really do well in honour and tradition and, and respect and that kind of culture. There is an extended DVD cut. I remember I've watched it before. It features more stabbing, which I'm pretty cool with. There is one more Wolverine film to go. Well, one more with Hugh Jackman. Hugh Jackman said that the next Wolverine film released next March, March 2017. Which should be reviewed on podcast today if I don't give up by then. I haven't given up by now. I'm actually really looking forward to that film now. Because that, that one will have Professor X in it, apparently. And it's Hugh Jackman's last stand as the Wolverine character. So... I'm looking forward to it. This film, re-watching this, has gotten me rather excited for that. One more X-Men film to go. X-Men Days of Future Past tomorrow. I'm sure everyone is excited to get me off of X-Men. Sick of X-Men. <laughs> Ooh, before I go, though. This film had a pretty amazing mid-credits scene featuring Magneto and Professor X coming into, into Logan saying, Hey, Logan, there's an evil, like, force. Come to kill us. Sentinels. That's what they are, but they don't say Sentinels. But they do drop a little Trath teaser in. And it's the first time we've seen Magneto since he lost his powers in The Last Stand, though he did get his powers back at the very end of The Last Stand, if you watch that scene very closely. And it's the first time we've seen Patrick Stewart since he was exploded to death by by Jean Grey. So it's it's noteworthy in that regard. They never actually quite explain that, but also Patrick Stewart comes back to the death at the end of The Last Stand. So it's not it's not beyond the realms of reason. And it's a comic book film, so hokey nonsense is 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 ripe for the taking there. It's one of the better post-credit scenes because like the post-credit scene in X-Men Apocalypse is super lame, <laughs> mostly because no one knew what it meant. Stayed there. There was a good like 20, 30 people still there and it ended and there was just silence as everyone kind of stared at the screen wondering what the hell that actually meant. No one did. This one's cool because it has Ian McKellen and Patrick Stewart in it. Basically, that's the problem with most other post-credit scenes. They don't have Ian McKellen and Patrick Stewart in it. So put Ian McKellen and Patrick Stewart in your post-credit scenes more often superhero films, even if they have nothing to do with your film. X-Men Days Future Past tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.